love for you to turn to John chapter 15. Um, we've been walking through the Gospel of John. If you have not been with us, um, if this is your first time, or uh, yeah, we've been going, and I can, I can do that. Good, I got it. Look at that. See that? Gets bigger, huh? But you didn't know that. Stand gets even bigger. Um, we're, we've been going through the Gospel of John, and uh, we've been looking at Jesus' words, and so we're going to pick up John chapter 15. Uh, we're going to pick up at verse 9. And um, I want us to remember, uh, you know, Jesus has been talking a lot about our relationship with him. But if you go back all the way to the very beginning of creation, and you remember on the sixth day that God created man, and he did, and you remember what he said when he, after he created um, Adam, because Adam was hanging out with God and, and things were great. And all of us think, okay, yeah, he looked at it, he said it was good. No, he said it wasn't good. It wasn't good for man to not have a relationship. And that's when he said, okay, so then he created woman. And when you think about um, the laws in the Old Testament, so Exodus 20, uh, 19 through 24, all these laws, they, they were basically summarized in the Ten Commandments. 613 of them summarized in ten, ten big ones, right? And then Jesus distilled it down even more. He goes, well, you know what? If, if I were to distill it down to two, two commandments, it would simply be this. Love the Lord your God with everything you've got, the vertical, and love your neighbor as yourself, the horizontal. Right? And so Jesus has been talking to us a lot about being connected to the vine, being connected to him. We've talked a lot about that the past few weeks. Then we've read part of these, a few of these verses, but we'll, we're going to actually going to go through uh, to chapter or to verse sixteen. We're going to start at uh, verse nine. Um, Jesus writes this: um, "As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you com- if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love." I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. And when you think about that, Jesus is just saying, look, love unites. Uh, Love love keeps things together. And um, we are are called to obey. And if obedience is the cause of of our our actions, then joy is the fruit of our actions. We'll, We'll receive joy from that. And then, and this is what we're going to look at, really the theme of verse 12 um, through 14. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I want to value trust over suspicion. Who are you suspicious about? Who do you, on the surface, have a great relationship with from all the external evidence, but internally you know, no, no, there isn't trust here. I'm suspicious. I hear it in their words. I see it in their nonverbals. I am suspicious of them, um, which ultimately leads to a fracture. Um, and so if, if that would look perfectly your friend or you, would actually lay your life down for someone else. You, you would take, um, you, you, you would die for them, right? 
It's, it's the, man, I'm forgetting the name of the movie now. I think it's called, I forget. It's with Bruce Willis, and he's got Ben Affleck as his son-in-law, the big drop in outer space, and they've got to blow up this big crater. We've got a name. Armageddon, see? We're movie watchers here. Armageddon, right? And there's that great scene where they, they pull straws, and Ben Affleck pulls the, uh, the smallest straw, the shortest straw, and they're all going down there, and he's going to have to go and um, have that drill go down and blow up this you know, meteor that's going to destroy the world. And in this last second, Bruce Willis um, immediately exchanges, um, he puts Ben in this little airtight case so where he can't get out anymore. And he takes his position. He says, no, no, no. I am going to die for you. You go and you take care of my daughter. I am going to die for you. You know, a a beautiful illustration of someone laying down their life for somebody else. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus says to us, look, I'm going to walk down the Via Della Rosa. I'm going to go to Calvary. I'm going to die for you. Peter, is that in your bones, man? Uh, John, is that in your gut? Because if it is, then that has to play itself out at the dinner table, right? At the Last Supper. When you're looking at Matthew, Peter, or when you're looking at Thomas, and you see Thomas doubt, are you going to hate on him? Are you going to hate on him because he's going to need to touch my hands? Or is West Town Church going to be united, Right? Is, uh, are, are your relationships going to be united because of what? Because um, of what Jesus has done. It's unity versus rivalry. Verse 15, it says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Who are your friends? I mean, your true friends. You know, there's four words that mean love in the Bible, right? You have agape love, which is God's unconditional love. You have storge love, which is family love, right? It's this family, you're born into it, right? It's, it's, it's created in, in you through the family. And then you have eros, erotic, right? Marital, marital love, all of Song of Solomon is about this eros love, how beautiful that can be in concert with the other ones. And then, of course, what we have here is, is the philos, is, uh, is Philadelphia here. Yeah, no, it, they don't represent it as well as maybe they should. Um, but uh, it's brotherly love. Who do you have that you can absolutely count on? Who do you know that, you know what? I would. For them, I would take a bullet. For them, I would, I would sacrifice large amounts of money. Who would you receive physical pain for? What friend would you do that for? And what friend do you know would do that to you or for you? Because Jesus is saying, if you're connected to the vine, because this whole, whole chapter is, then your friendships by, by very connection to me have to be different. You know, 
It's not the first sign of uh, suspicion or the first sign or hint of doubt that you just bail. No, that's not the way it works. Here, if we have the Lord, right, we have security. And what he's saying is, ultimately, one way to look at it is this first point, meaning that friendship takes something common, right, an acquaintance. It takes, it takes a relationship that you might have. And what friendship, it's this process of taking something very common and regular and ordinary, and it makes it holy. That's what he's saying. Because when you think about um, what Jesus says are the fundamentals to our faith, I mean, what are the basics? Here's what we know. It is Bible. It is the Word of God. It is prayer, right? The church is built on Bible, believing that the Bible is, is the solid Word of God. It never changes. It's completely infallible, completely trustworthy in every way. It's absolutely inerrant, without error. And prayer is our communion with God through His Spirit, and you have to do those. Like, like we've said before, it's like cardio and it's like doing weights. You have to do both. If you want to be in shape, you got to do those. But there's one more and it's fellowship. And this is Americans, I think it's hard for us. Because a lot of us, we want to be Lone Ranger Christians. I think we, like, you don't discuss your own private religion with others. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is, look... Hey, if, if, if Satan's going to go after you, he's going to go after these relationships. And if he can take um, these, th- this trust, if he can take these friendships out, man, I tell you what, Paul's not going to be with Silas. Paul's not going to be with Barnabas. You know, uh, Paul's not going to be with John Mark. If I can, if I can hurt the, the first missionaries, I can destroy the church, right? If I can tell people um, that, you know what, you can do whatever you want on Saturday night all the time. It doesn't matter. And I can get the church at Corinth to believe in cheap grace and that you just come in on Sunday. It doesn't matter what you did. You just come in. And if I can make that fellowship, like there's no difference between uh, like West Chase, right, and West Town. If there is no difference, like, like then, then I've, I've, I've got them. And as, as Jesus is talking about it, I mean, I've, I've asked my, okay, who, who are my friends? I mean, I mean, my friends, those that I would absolutely go to bat for because what he's saying is that when you see something that's common, just interaction or basic relationship or acquaintance between people, I want to take that, I want to make it holy. And we're going to call that Philadelphia love or Philos love. I keep saying Philadelphia. Um, And so here's what I want to do. I want to just tell you a story in the Old Testament about the greatest friendship I think in the Bible. Um, and I want to give you a little context for it. I didn't put it up there because it's a little bit, it goes through three chapters. I'm just going to summarize a, a little of this. The context is Israel wanted a king. Their first king was Saul, and he was crazy. He was 6'4", looked like Brad Pitt. Uh, and he uh, had um, very strong, very manly, and he looked like a king. But it turns out he's a bit of a megalomaniac. He's a bit of a narcissist. And um, we know that Samuel is telling us that David is actually going to come and be king. Now, the, the, the twist here is that Saul's son is Jonathan. And imagine that here's King Saul, who's a wacko. He's got a cool son. 
It says this. After David, who had met Saul, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond of love between them. And they became the best of friends. From that day on, Saul kept David with him at the palace and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a special vow to be David's friend. And he sealed the pact by giving him his robe, tunic, sword, uh, bow, and belt. And so there's this, there's this uh, affinity that Jonathan has for this David. Just met him. And, and he feels like, no, no, this is right. I, there's something about David that's beautiful. So here's what happens. They, they have this vow. I'm just going to read you the high points of what happened over the next two chapters. So David is an awesome army general, even better than Saul. They would say things like this. David would kill 10,000, Saul would only kill 1,000. And as much as victory was good, Saul, it, it, it just ate into him. And, uh, and, and so David's going out and he's basically killing a bunch of Philistines for uh, King Saul. Saul is so paranoid, he brings David into his court and chucks a spear at him. David gets out of the way. Um, uh, Saul then comes to, comes to his senses and says to David, look, I'm going to give you my daughter to marry. And at the last second, he pulls his daughter away and says, no, you're going to marry somebody else. Saul's second daughter, Michael, comes up to David or comes up to Saul and says, Dad, I really love David. I want to marry David. And um, Saul says, Okay, I want him to prove his love for you. You're gonna go, he's gonna have to go and kill 100 Philistines. He goes and kills 200 Philistines, comes back. Ultimately, he does allow David to get um, married to uh, Michael. Saul then plans again in, in chapter 19, plans to assassinate David. Um, and, and word's getting out. And, and so David begins to confide in Jonathan, like, hey, dude, what's the deal with your dad? You know, this is funky here. All the while, Jonathan is um, completely trustworthy and uh, straight up with, with, with David. Jonathan pleads with his dad, please, dad, don't kill him. He is a good man. Don't do this. Saul agrees, he gives Jonathan some lip service, but then plots again. Michael, his David's wife, gets wind of another plot and ultimately um, gets David out of town. Like, you can't, you can't do this. Um, Saul finds out about this. He is, ultimately begins to pursue, he, he begins to pursue David to kill him. All the while, Jonathan, who is the heir to the throne, but he knows there is something special about David. And the friendship I have with him, I don't care what it is. I will not betray him. No matter what, no matter what happens. And then they have this beautiful interaction um, in chapter 20. Where um, David has fled uh, to this city called Naoth. And he looks at Jonathan again and he says, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? 
And Jonathan, Jonathan's still thinking, no, no, I don't think he has it out for you as much as you think he does. I think he's okay. I mean, my dad's not, I mean, he's a little crazy, but he's not that crazy. Here's what Jonathan says. That's not true, man. I'm sure, he didn't say man, that's not true. <laughs> I'm sure he's not planning any such thing. For he always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know he wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. And David looks at him, he takes an oath before Jonathan. And he says, your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he has said to, my, so he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan why I should hurt him. But I swear to you, Jonathan, that I am only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. David looks at his buddy. He says, you got, you have to believe my words now. Like this is the moment where our friendship, right, the, the, the depth and the breadth of our friendship is on the line right here. This is my life. Who are you going to believe, man? Because I know that I know that I know that your dad is after me. And Jonathan's still trying not to believe it. And what does Jonathan do? He looks at his buddy and he says, tell me what I can do. I mean, when a dude forsakes his father because he knows his father isn't right for a friend, the loyalty there, the power there. And then David replies to him, look, um, I'm going to go and hide. And Jonathan ultimately sends him out to a field, and he says, um, you go out there. I'm going to tell you what my father's going to do. If he's going to come after you, I'm going to have my boy shoot an arrow farther, uh, way past you. If it's, if it's three arrows past you, then I want you to get out of town. I'll, I'll figure something else out. Well, I'll try to stall him. And so it says this. Um, during this festival, it was the second day, and David hadn't shown. He'd been out of town. And Saul didn't say anything about it the first day. Um, because his, his, his reasoning, Saul was thinking, something must have made David ceremonially unclean. Yes, that must be why he's not here. But the second day, when David wasn't there again, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for dinner, either yesterday or today? Jonathan replies, David earnestly asked me if I could go to Bethlehem, if he could go to Bethlehem. He wanted to take part in a family sacrifice. His brother demanded that he be there, so I told him he could go. That's why he isn't here. I mean, my boy lied. He lied for him to the king, to King Saul, because he knew the evil in his dad's heart. And, and the friendship and the bond, he knew that David was supposed to be king. And he was willing to, to uh, give the, the, the throne that, he was, you know, that was to be his to his friend, that he would lay his life down for a friend. Ultimately, David um, gets out of town. I just want to read to you. This is the last scene of David and Jonathan. It says this. David came out from where he'd been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For we have made a pact in the Lord's name. We have entrusted each other and each other's children into the Lord's hands forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the city and he never saw David again. But he kept true to his word. Do you have that type of friendships? Are you moving towards that? Is that even on the radar for you? 
I mean, is that even, I mean, is there even a vision cast in your mind for that? But, I mean, this type of, of philos, this type of, of uh, oath and um, loyalty, imagine what that does. What happens when you have a buddy who's got your back? I mean, what does it feel like? No, I know that I know that I know this guy or this girl, no matter what I do, right? No matter what I do, I know they will love me and they will have my back. God wants that for you. And here's what I think we do too many, too many times, right? Is that um, we keep our guards up and we play, you know, we, we're kind of hypervigilant on what they're doing. And we, we don't give people trust. And when people feel that suspicion, if, if Jonathan would have been guarded with, with David, particularly in this, um, in this arena, that would, this would have never happened. And the scary thing about this is that in this story, we know what? Point two is that friendship requires us to be affected. You have to actually be affected by somebody else. I mean, friendship is the one love that you have to be intentional about. It's not internal. It doesn't just happen. Eros happens, right? It just happens. The attraction, it happens inside of you. Storge is your family love, right? It's, you were born into that family. It's there. It's natural. Agape love is, is um, you know, we can't even understand it completely. It's God's love for us. But philos is the one love that you have to be intentional about. You've got to make the call. You've got to invite them. You've got to say, we've got to spend time together. It's not just based upon, hey, if we live in the same cul-de-sac, Right? If, if we live in the same little borough over here. You know, friendship means that, look, we're going to take what our part of Tampa would say, yeah, yeah, we're friends. No, we're going to take that common thing and we're going to make it holy. That's what David and Jonathan did. And these, and these holy acts that Jonathan and David did for one another, and we see the, their, their ancestors do it for one another too. I mean, it's beautiful. Imagine if you had that type of friend. I know you can't have a lot of these. Shoot, have one of these. Friendship requires us to be affected. Who, what friend in your life affects you? I mean, when they say something, you can't just be like, dude, whatever, you're that guy, you're that girl, no. And you just put the guard up. No, it affects you. I know for a lot of us, particularly I'll say it, fellas, for a lot of us guys, man, we're islands. We are, right? The book Iron John. Hey, I can do it on my own. I got my wife my kids, and, you know, maybe, maybe your dad, maybe a son. We're your friends, man. We're your pals. I mean, band of brothers, like for real. Not just the guys that were thrown with you in the army or the guys you played football with, but who knows your junk? I mean, your junk. Who knows the state of your marriage? I mean, the real state of it, not the state that's, uh, that's portrayed. And what Jesus ultimately says here in, in John 15, what he's saying is, look, to the extent that you can see me, right, in friendship with you, that's the extent to which you will have friends. If you're not right with God and you're not secure there vertically, how are you going to do something horizontally? And... Um, 
for some of, for some of us, we will we'll find, we'll actually hide in our relationship with God. We'll just constantly study the Bible and we'll constantly know God and pray, but we're, we're knowing God and praying about things when the Bible is saying to us, okay, here's what the Bible says to do. Don't talk to God anymore. Stop. You go talk to, you go befriend somebody. You go intentionally call people and say, you know, that, that relationship that seems pretty natural, but you're not sure if you want to take that next step. You don't want to tell them about your marriage, but you know at that, at that moment when you get more vulnerable, you know what that's going to do. That's going to add a connection and attachment there. And that's what Jesus is saying. We need that. You were designed for that. If you don't have that, you're functioning. You're not, you're not functioning as you, as you were designed. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as Jonathan loved you. David. He loved him so much that he, he laid down his father. He betrayed his father for his friend. He could see God in his, um, in his friend, and he knew that his father was wrong. What if that happened here? I mean, what would happen? I think divorce, divorce uh, the numbers would radically go down. What would happen you would take some of the pressure off your family because that's all you got. That's the only people that you know. And so things better be right with your wife or things better be right with your husband or with your kids because if they're not, you got no other place to go. And Jesus wants us to, to have great girlfriends and great guy friends. And when you think about this here, every time Saul had an outbreak, Saul was... Uh, an isolationist. Saul was paranoid. The evil that was Saul, it got weaker and weaker and weaker. And every single time you see David with his friend, he what? He got stronger and stronger and stronger because David was questioning like, okay, what am I supposed to be? Am I really called to be king? And his buddy was saying, you better not question that, bud. Don't do that. David's election, his vocation, his imagination was what? Confirmed by the friendship of Jonathan. When you have a friend come to you and say, hey, this is right. When I, a close friend of mine, Keith Nishaw, who actually, um, he was here during our installation service, and I got to preach his installation service up in South Carolina. I remember when we were both uh, juniors in college, and I was telling him about this. I was saying, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't really know what my major is supposed to be at Florida State. I did this summer thing with the church, with, with Seminole back in uh, Tampa, and I liked it. And I'm just not sure. He looked at me, and I'll never forget. He's like, hey, man, I really think you should pursue this. I think you should look at this. You have some potential. I think you could do this. And I remember just Keith, who doesn't just say things. His words have weight. And he is, he is, he is measured, right? And when he said that, I mean, the, the strength that that gave me, the encouragement that that gave me, um, it, was, it was powerful. You know, evil um, doesn't ultimately diminish David in the situation. It doesn't narrow him. When he's bound in this covenant of friendship, he knows that, dude, my boy gave me everything, his robe, his sword, his tunic, everything. I mean, he, he was real about that. And I will trust that 
covenant more than I will trust my circumstances. If you could do that, if we could form friendships in small groups, in men's small groups, in women's small groups, if maybe some of these friendships formed out of the, uh, the, women's, the women's study that's coming on Wednesday night, what would it be like? I know, I know it's tough. Um, it's, it's not easy because people, I mean, a lot of us have been hurt. We've been betrayed. Um, but when you get it, when, when it's there and, and, and you know that you have the will of God on your side. God wants this for you. It's in his will for you to have this type of philos. That should empower you. And as a church, I think we grow, um, we, we just grow deeper. Because you can know the Bible and you can know prayer, but if you don't know one another, I'll tell you what, you come in and get your hit and you get out of here, right? What are the reasons I have to come? Okay, Frank, you give us the word. Paula, you lead us in worshiping God. I want to know what the activities are for my kids, and then I want out. And you can do that, and, and I, I get that. I get that. But he, he's casting a different vision for us. Um, what, what if we could begin to build these types of relationships? I think it would be absolutely beautiful. But it's not natural. Look at the world, right? Look at your subdivision. Who talks? Who was close? And who wasn't? You know, you have a driveway party and you hear, man, oh, yeah, you guys to be there. And what happened there? Oh, man. Well, if you don't have God, if you don't have Christ as the centerpiece of of the vertical part of you, how are you going to be good horizontally? And so this week, uh, you know, this whole idea of David and Jonathan, I think it calls you to look at your friendships. If you know God's on your heart pricking you to say, hey, I, I need to have another conversation because I know I like this guy or I like this girl, but I'm not sure about this, and I need to ask him that question. And you know what? It's going to be awkward, and it's going to add some immediacy in that moment, and, you know, I'll feel a little weird, but that's, that's part of the process of doing that, saying, hey, look, um, okay, Peter, if you're James, Peter, you just denied Christ three times, and he was, you, you know he was the son of God. I saw that part of your character, and man, you are Benedict Arnold, and I don't know what's going to happen. But for James to do that, or for any of the other disciples to do that, and then for them to see Jesus after he's resurrected, look at Peter, the betrayer, and say, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Three times you reinstated him. Okay, Peter's in this, man. Peter's in it. Let's do it. Um, I think we can gain a lot of strength from this. And so... I, I want you to see this friendship as something that the world sees as common. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about taking a common thing and turning it into something holy. And Jesus calls us, uh, we're, we're Jesus' friends, he says. Use that. Use that relationship. Because what we're going to do is we're going to come to the Lord's Supper now. And Jesus is your friend here. And the Bible says Jesus is your host. And what we're going to do here is we're going to say, yeah, there's two common things here. There's bread and there's juice. And we're going to take these common things. And like Jesus did, he prayed over them. And he said, I'm going to institute this supper. And I'm going to take the common and I'm going to make it holy. I'm going to set apart this as we do it once a month as a a feast to sit together as friends. And Jesus is our host and he says, come. He says, come to the table and I want you to eat. When you come up here, he's saying, look. When you hold that bread, that's my body. And when you take that drink, that is my blood. 
And to the extent that you do that, you are, you are coming in faith, and that faith, coupled with this sacrament, says, I will grow you spiritually. I will say this, Jesus and Paul said, hey, don't come to this table if I'm not really your friend, right? And if you don't feel like Jesus has been your friend, but you're willing, you're saying, hey, you know, it's time. I would ask that you would not come up, not to exclude you or make you feel awkward, but this is for Christians, those that have professed their faith in Christ. And if you haven't done that, hey, maybe, maybe this morning is an opportunity for you to do that. Just sit there and say, okay, God, I've been curious. I was cynical. Now I'm curious, and now I'm ready to be committed. I'm ready. Receive Christ. Ask him into your heart. Say, God, I know that you are my Savior and my Lord. I haven't been willing to commit, but right now I'm denying myself, and I'm picking up my cross, and I'm going to commit to you. Maybe that's what he asked for you this morning.